me to John chapter 16 and verse 16. John chapter 16 and verse 16. Elijah had a great victory at Mount Carmel, uh, but then Jezebel threatened his life. And the prophet just plunged into a depression. And, and we're told that Jesus uh, called, and before he became a man, called the angel or messenger of the Lord, came to Elijah and ministered to him. He, he cooked him a meal. He encouraged him to rest and then cooked him another meal and encouraged him to rest. And, and Elijah was comforted and then Jesus sent him uh, to the mountain to hear from God. Uh, Isaac was also comforted. His mother died, and, and she, she uh, of course, had a great influence in his life. Uh, and God sent Elijah a new wife, I mean, sent uh, Isaac a new wife named Rebekah. And Rebekah comforted Isaac in the loss of his mother. God knows how to comfort us. He knows how we're wired. He designed us. He created us and made us for his purpose, and he knows how to minister to us spiritually, emotionally, physically as we need. And so we need his comfort so that we can persevere, so that we can fulfill the purposes of God that he has for our lives. And so um, the time of message is receiving Jesus' comfort. And Jesus, Jesus is comforting his disciples in this passage. Uh, they're grieved because Jesus is telling them, I'm going away, but I'm going to come back. Uh, but but they're, they're worried, they're concerned, they're burdened about this distance they're going to have. Uh, and they're grieved. And Jesus ultimately is going to go to the cross, and then they're going to face even more trouble and even more struggle in their lives. And so... Uh, Jesus is comforting them with the specific things they need to hear while he's with them to sustain them through these difficult times. And so we need to look to Christ for the comfort that he gives. So the title of my message is Receiving Jesus' Comfort. Look with me at verse 16 of John 16. It says, A little while and you will no longer see me. Again, a little while, and you will see me. Then some of his disciples said to one another, What is this he's telling us? A little while, and you will not see me. Again, a little while, and you will not see me. And that I'm going to the Father. They said, What is this he is saying a little while? We don't know what he's talking about. Jesus knew they wanted to ask him, and so he said to them, Are you asking one another about what I said? A little while, and you will not see me again. Again, in a little while, and you will see me. Truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy from you. And that day you will not ask me anything. Truly, I tell you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. 
Ask and you will receive so that your joy may become complete. Receiving Jesus' comfort. How does he comfort us? Well, he reminds us that he sovereignly knows. He sovereignly knows. Uh, He tells them, a little while and you will see me, verse 16. Again, a little while and you will see me. A little while you will not see me. A little while you will see me. And then he says, hey, I know you're wanting to ask me about this. So he knows exactly what's going on in their hearts, but he also knows what is about to happen in the future. And he's telling them what's going to happen. He sovereignly knows and is sovereignly in control in the times when we're struggling. And he knows just how to minister to us in the midst of that struggle. Um, He knows where we are spiritually. He knows how to restore us spiritually. He knows where we are emotionally and physically as Jesus uh, had Elijah to take some rest. He knew he physically needed rest. He needed to be uh, fed. Uh, And so uh, Jesus knows us. He knows the specific things that are issues And he is able to help us as no one else can help us. He has perfect knowledge uh, and and the perfect ability to help us with the things that he knows about our lives. Um, I think it's interesting that um, God knows where we are even in times of rebellion. Uh, Jonah was told by God to go to Nineveh, and he took a boat going the other way. And he is in asleep in the boat, and God is working on Jonah. And uh, there's, there's a series of circumstances that take place, and Jonah ends up in the belly of a fish. And finally, after three days, he, he was strong-willed, after three days, with the water up to his neck, in the, in the belly of a smelly fish, He finally agrees to obey God. And God, of course, brings the fish to the point it needs to be. Uh, Jonah is thrown up onto the shore by the fish and goes to Nineveh. And uh, so he knew where he was in his rebellion. Uh, I think of Mary Magdalene when Mary Magdalene is weeping by the tomb of Jesus. Jesus comes to her knows exactly where she is, and cares enough to come to her at the time of her grief and brokenness and speaks to her. And, of course, she rejoices when she finally recognizes who it is. And uh, Jesus knows where we are, and he knows what we need. Um, you know, kids like to eat candy. Uh, they were getting real excited uh, uh, Friday night when Sherry was telling me, if you bring a friend, you get a box of candy. You know, I, there was a buzz. I mean, they were looking around with grins from, from ear to ear. And, uh, you know, uh, but they need vegetables, right? I've never seen a kid get excited about eating vegetables. But that's what they need. You know, uh, God knows what we need. Sometimes we know what we want, right? But God knows what we need. And I'm so glad that he doesn't always give us exactly what we want, but he gives us what we need. He knows exactly where we are, he knows exactly what we need, and he's able 
to supply it. The Israelites were going through a wilderness. How do you feed two million people in the wilderness? A supernatural sovereign God. <laughs> he sent manna from heaven to feed them where they were in the midst of the wilderness. God sent Elijah to a, a, a wicked nation uh, where the prophets were being persecuted. And Elijah ministered to the prophets and ministered to the people. And, and he was exactly what the nation needed at that point in time. Uh, listen, God knows what you need. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows exactly how to help you and minister to you and sustain you in the midst of your trouble. The disciples are about to go through the hardest time of their lives, perhaps aside from their deaths, uh, when Jesus would be crucified and, and they were disillusioned and they were in the room locked up uh, by themselves and uh, in fear of the Jews. They were paralyzed by fear. They were disillusioned. They were discouraged. But Jesus appears to them and he comes to them right where they are. And he knows exactly what to say, exactly what to do. And of course, their lives were changed. So receiving Jesus' comfort. How does he comfort us? Well, he reminds us that he sovereignly knows. He reminds us that he fully restores he fully restores. Look at verse 20. Truly I will tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. I like the fact that he doesn't deny the fact that they're going to weep and mourn. Jesus knows the trouble that's coming and the trial that's coming. He doesn't deny it. Uh, there are some people that, that act as though if you're a Christian, you never have any trouble. That's just not the case. Uh, you will have trouble. He says, you will weep and mourn. These are the 12 apostles. You will weep and mourn. Jesus knows exactly what's coming, but he also knows how to turn it around. Isn't that great? <laughs> he, he knows how to fully restore. He says, you will become sorrowful, but your Sorrow will be turned to joy. Jesus can turn sorrow into joy. He can fully restore you and give you a hope and a future. Uh, that happened with Elijah. God gave Elijah some things to do in his life to restore him after that period of great depression and discouragement that he had. Uh, God set him on a new path. Um, and, and it encouraged him and, and, and restored him to his ministry rather than his, his praise, praying for his death. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, we despaired even of life. But this is so that we could know that there's somebody who can raise the dead. Isn't that great? He says, listen, we're going through the darkest time of our lives, but Jesus was able to pull us up. To fully restore us and help us move on in our ministry and life. Uh, your sorrow will be turned to joy. There have been many times in my life as I have come to God in prayer 
and, and shared my burden with him with thanksgiving that God has changed my heart. He's turned me from sorrow to joy. And I leave with a peace of God that passes understanding because he's met me where I am and he's restored my soul. The psalmist says he restores my soul. He is the good shepherd, isn't he? He restores our soul. And uh, one day, he's really going to fully restore us. Jesus is coming, and I'm going to have a new body. No sin nature, no depression, no struggle. I will have the fullness of all that God has prepared for me. And uh, no one will take our joy. Listen, I want to tell you something. Right now, you can be joyful in the midst of circumstances as you're connected to Christ. Because the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Uh, the Gaithers had a, had a song years ago. Uh, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. Uh, Jesus gives a joy that is within. But it's going to be even better when he comes. There'll be no sin to mar the joy that we'll experience. There'll be nothing to dim it. There'll be nothing to take anything away from it. But he will fully restore, not just us within, but all that is. And the Bible says the creation is yearning for the coming of the Messiah. He's going to restore all things. And what a day that's going to be. So, receiving Jesus' comfort. How does Jesus comfort us? He reminds us that he sovereignly knows, that he fully restores. Thirdly, that he suddenly arrives. Look at verse 22. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy from you. So, he suddenly arrives. I uh, 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 year or two ago, David was supposed to come see us, uh, my son David, and uh, he showed up a few days early and surprised us. And, uh, you know, it just made our hearts joyful to see him. And uh, that's what Jesus is going to do. One day he is going to show up, and we will be caught up to meet him in the air. It could be today. Wouldn't that be great? He'd just come interrupt this service and take us all to glory. <laughs> I, I'm ready. Come on, Lord. Um, he's going to suddenly arrive. The Bible says it will be in the twinkling of an eye. Corinthians says it this way. I tell you a mystery, brothers. We shall not all sleep. In other words, we will not all die. But we will all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. The dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. In one moment, Jesus is going to suddenly arrive. And all the burdens that you're struggling with right now, all the struggles will be over. And you will enter into the perfect joy of your Lord. What a day that will be. So... Jesus comforts us with that. He reminds us of that. Uh, there's a song. We've sung it here. Um, it's, a, it's an older gospel song. Uh, what a day that will be 
when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, and he takes me by the hand and brings me to the promised land. What a day! Glorious day! That will be. Yes. So, Jesus suddenly arrived. Now, Jesus would arrive for the disciples. He would be raised from the dead, wouldn't he? And they would see him. And what joy that would bring to him. But that was not the only joy that Jesus would bring for a sudden coming. Because beyond that time would be the coming of Jesus in the rapture. Uh, He says, your hearts will rejoice and no one will take away your joy from you. You know, uh, maybe you remember as a kid at Christmas getting some gifts or maybe it's your birthday. And, you know, and you're so excited, right? You're so excited and you get this gift and it's what you wanted and, oh, how stoked you are until you, you, you play with that toy for about two hours. And it kind of wanes, right? You don't have the full enjoyment of it. Same thing happens to adults, right? You say, well, boy, oh, if I could just have that automobile. And you buy it, and what happens? You enjoy it for a while, and the joy begins to wane. You see what he's saying here? Your joy, no one will take from you. You see, joy is found in a person, first of all, and that person is Jesus Christ. And so we'll have unique access to him. But I believe everything else that we experience in that time will be consistently the experience of joy. It won't wane. It won't wear off. It will be consistent for all eternity. (laughs) No one will take your joy. When Jesus suddenly arrives, everything changes. By the way, that happens when Jesus arrives, spiritually speaking, in a church, right? Everything changes. You say, well, I thought Jesus was omnipresent. He's already here, right? Uh, Well, that's true. He is. But sometimes Jesus comes in manifest power to bring revival and, and things change. I've seen that happen. I've seen Everything changed as Jesus shows up on the scene. But, but that was just a taste. When Jesus comes again, all oh, the change and the joy there will be. So receiving Jesus' comfort, how does he comfort us? He, he reminds us that he sovereignly knows, that he fully restores, that he suddenly arrives, and that he faithfully answers. Look at verse 23. In that day you will not ask me anything. So some, some believe that this is talking about, it's an actual different word for ask than the word that comes after when he's talking about prayer. Uh, some believe he's talking about they're, they're being bewildered about what he's talking about. You know, I'll be here, I won't be here, and you know, he's trying to, they're trying to figure it out. You're not going to need to ask me anything because there'll be a new level of knowledge. But then he says, truly I tell you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. What does it mean to ask in Jesus' name? 
It's to ask according to his purpose and his heart. Okay? If you're an ambassador, you come in the name of the king, or in our case, in the name of the president, and you speak to a foreign power, and you represent. You're not there to speak your own idea and your own opinion. You're there to speak for the president, right? Same thing is true when you pray in Jesus' name. Praying with, in Jesus, even though I do say in Jesus' name, amen, that's not the main importance of praying in Jesus' name. Praying in Jesus' name is praying according to his purpose and his heart. And there is special power in that kind of prayer because God delights to answer it every single time because it's prayer in accordance with his will. And so uh, he faithfully answers. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, these, these 12 apostles were going to go through some pretty tough times. Not just in, in the death of Jesus and, and all of that they experienced with that, but they would go through persecution in their ministries. They would have opposition. They would have false doctrine. They would have trouble in the church. And all of these things would be going on in their lives And Jesus is reminding them, and he's comforting them, whatever may come, I want you to remember, as you pray, in accordance with my purpose and my heart, I will answer. Is that not a great assurance? When God calls us to service, he doesn't leave us as a lone ranger to go by ourselves. He walks that path with us, and we can call on his name. And he is faithful to deliver. Um, I think about Esther. Um, you talk about God's knowing things and, and all of these things. And uh, Esther was a captive Jewish girl in Persia um, under the Persian Empire. Uh, her parents had died and she was raised by her uncle Mordecai. And Esther is taken into the, the king's harem uh, and uh, through a series of circumstances, she becomes the queen of all the kingdom and the empire of Persia of that day. God had a purpose for her to fulfill. There was a wicked plot by a man named Haman to kill all the Jews in the empire and Esther was appointed by God to be the one who would speak to the king. And they got together, and, and Esther uh, hears from Mordecai what's going on, and, and she says, I want you to, to pray and to fast for me for three days. And I'm going to pray and fast for three days. And I'm going to go into the king, and of course, if he didn't lower the scepter, she'd be put to death. So I'm going to go to the king. If I die, I die. But I'm going to try to deliver our people. And so uh, the people of Israel fasted and prayed, she fasted and prayed, and then she went before the king, and uh, through a series of circumstances, God uses her to save and deliver the people of Israel with a mighty deliverance. You see, God's people prayed, and God answered. Who was in charge? Well, it seemed like the Persian government was in charge. The king was in charge. His first person in power after him was a guy named Haman who wanted to kill everybody. 
That seems like a pretty bad situation. But guess what? They didn't go into captivity on their own. God went with them. And he put Esther in the place she needed to be because he knew the trouble was going to come before it ever came. And she was right in the place she needed to be. And God's people called out upon his name. And God brought a great deliverance as his people prayed. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. God knows every trouble that's going to come in our lives before it ever gets there. He makes provision beforehand. And he takes care of us. And as we call upon his name and we pray according to his purposes in his heart, his purpose ultimately will stand. Um, I thank God, no matter what comes, God's kingdom will move on. I love the scripture Paul, Paul is writing from prison. He says, I'm chained, but the word of God cannot be chained. Isn't that great? <laughs> it will go forth. It will accomplish God's purposes. It cannot be stopped because God cannot be stopped. His is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So Jesus comforts them by reminding them that he will faithfully answer and he will faithfully answer us. So receiving Jesus' comfort, how does he comfort us? He reminds us that he sovereignly knows that he fully restores, that he suddenly arrives, and that he faithfully answers. If you're a child of God today, praise the Lord that you have a God like you have who will walk with you and who will carry you and will sustain you. Trust him. Pray to him. Bring your burdens to him and cast them at his feet in prayer and thanksgiving and uh, if you don't know jesus today know that jesus loves you and uh, he sent uh the father sent jesus uh, to die on the cross to pay the price for your sin and for mine and that jesus rose again and because jesus died as our substitute god says i'll forgive you i'll cancel your debt uh, if you'll repent and put your trust in me and so we make that choice to turn from our sin in our own way to follow Christ. That's repentance. And we receive that gift of eternal life. If you need to do that this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment uh, to come and make that decision here at the front. I'd be delighted to pray with you and help you with that decision however I can. And then uh, if you're a child of God, I'm going to ask you here in a moment, uh, if you've not been trusting Jesus, just come to this altar and uh, bring your bird to him. If you need to come for prayer, I'll be happy to pray for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking into our lives, God, and uh, for encouraging us and comforting us when we're hurting. Lord, help us trust you. Help us rely on you and, and uh, bring our, our prayers to you in faith that you will answer. Help us know that peace that passes understanding and that joy unspeakable and full of glory as we walk with you. And Lord, for those who, who don't know you, I pray that today would be the day you'd enable them to genuinely turn from their sin their own way to follow Jesus Christ 
and receive his eternal life. And I pray it in Jesus' name.